Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode numero trace. That's right, Trey White. No, that's 6ix9ine. I can't say that anymore. This is episode three of the EP show, my personal podcast, I guess, pop culture podcast, where I kind of talk about whatever it is that I would like to talk about. It could be, you know, music, movies, TV shows, celebrities, and I'm pretty sure this episode has all of that. So, I mean, the way this podcast is set up, the three segments are empty rants. Which, where I just talk about random topics, it could be pop culture or not. Then I'm going to empty reviews, where I review two pieces of uh, po- uh, pop culture media, I guess. It could be movies, music, or TV shows, like I said earlier. And then the outro song is just the song that I feel like is very underrated. Maybe the song itself is underrated, or maybe the artist is underrated. Either way, I play that song so you folks, so I can put your folks on. Maybe that's what the segment should be called, Put You On. Hey. I got it. That's a new name for it. Uh, so yeah, that's the the way this podcast is set up. So I guess now let's just start the podcast. This is actually the second time I've recorded this podcast because the first time I kind of had a mini breakdown halfway through it and I had to end it early and there's no way I'm releasing that episode. I mean, that was just bad. It was just horrible. I can't believe I even got to that point in the podcast. Like I was trying to power through it, but there was something in me where I just couldn't end it. I don't know what happened. It had to be like a breakdown, like an anxiety attack or some shit. Something happened to me. But now I'm more, you know, calm. I just took a shower. You know, I've done a lot of stuff today. I feel productive. I don't feel as anxious as I was feeling earlier. So I guess now it's a better time to do this podcast. A better time than any, to be honest. Uh, So yeah, I guess the first topic that I want to talk about is just... It's, it's something I noticed, you know, while watching porn. That's right, I do watch porn. I know, crazy, right? Who would have thought a <laughs> a guy in his 20s is watching porn? Who knew? A single guy at that. Who could have ever seen that coming? No, yeah, I've been uh, watching, you know, porn as a lot of people are and have. Um, and I've noticed how fucking wild these premises are in porn. Not only the promises, not promises, but premises, not only are the premises of each porn that I'll be watching are wild, but just the the fucking categories and shit that happens, not even just the premise, because the premise implies a story, and I'm pretty sure not all porn videos have stories, you know what I mean? And I'm certainly sure not a lot of people enjoy, you know, stories in their porn, they want people to get straight to it, but I don't really enjoy that, I actually like it when you know, uh, there's a bit of a story where it feels believable, because if it feels fake to me, it kind of takes me out, I'm like, I can see right through the facade, I'm like, oh, they're just fucking just a fuck, and doing that, and doing this, right, so, that's how, that's kind of porn I enjoy, you know, (laughs) I feel like I might be giving too much, but fuck it, this is the EP show, where I talk about EP things, that's the tagline, no, but, just, I mean, I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm not here, this topic isn't about just what kind of porn I'll be watching, this point, this topic is about how porn can have some of the wildest premises you've ever seen, like, for example, I was, you know, in Pornhub, as, as you do, just scrolling in Pornhub, as you do, just looking at what kind of videos they have to offer, um, and you, you just come across some of the weirdest, like, premises, like one of the one of the premises I saw recently was that, you know, it was a meta porn. I've never in my fucking life seen a meta porn. Listen, meta is so popular right now that even porn is doing it. Where like the premise was this fan snuck into this porn star's house, was like, Look, I've seen your videos, I wanna be I wanna have sex with you, 
you know, it doesn't have to be recorded. I just want to have sex with you because I've seen your videos. And then the porn star plays herself. And it's like, okay, fine. And then that's the porn. <laughs> the porn is, actu- is actually the porn star having a fan breaking in and wanting to have sex with her. It's fucking wild. I mean, that's how creative these premises are getting. And that's one side. The other side is just the very typical, uh, you know, and, and, you know, some premises can be wild. Most premises, though, are like, you know. Oh, I'm the teacher and you're the student or I'm the dad, you're the stepdaughter or I'm the stepdad and you're the regular daughter. I mean, you know, whatever it is, stepsisters, you know, fucking, you know, uh, incest is very, it's a very popular premise in porn. But it's just that. I mean, I was just thinking about how fucking wild those premises are, right? Like, that one's wild. The types of porns that you see in there, like, there's... Especially for, like, lesbian. If you've ever gone into the lesbian category when watching porn, specifically in Pornhub, the shit you see there is wild. And the reason that shit would be so wild is because, you know, between women, like, sex with between women is kind of limited. Or it's not that it's limited, but it's not full-on penetration. So how do you spice shit up? Maybe peeing in somebody's mouth. That's right. You heard me right. There's peeing porn on Pornhub. Where people just pee on each other. I mean, what the fuck are people getting off to? This is crazy. It's like peeing porn. There's like tickling porn. There's like foot fetish porn. I mean, that one's understandable, but it's like women like deep throating the the big toe on people's foot. It's disgusting. And that's another thing. Porn is disgusting just all in itself. Let's be honest with that. Porn is a fucking disgusting thing to watch. And and sex is just a disgusting thing in general. You know, the reason why we don't see it as disgusting technically is because we're not we're not watching it in third person one and because it just feels so good. At least, you know, a lot of people claim. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I think that's why People don't really see sex as disgusting as it is. I mean, sex is fucking gross. It's really gross. And I don't understand why people don't understand that. Well, I do. It's because it's very pleasurable. But still, I mean, if people... I mean, and that's... If porn is good for one thing, it's to see how disgusting sex can actually be. Because you see that shit HD 4K if you want. <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. All the fluids getting in and out. Just, you know, the, the the sounds. Oh, the sounds. That's why I mute. I pretty much mute every single time I'm watching a porn video. Although, or like put it halfway through. Because, I mean, you know, that's just as a funny thing to experience. Is whenever you're like watching porn. Or like you've seen pranks on YouTube of like YouTubers like putting, you know, uh, the the volume of a porn loud in like a library or something, and everybody starts screaming like, "Oh, what the fuck is that?" Oh, and start clutching the pearls. But yeah, I mean, you know, porn is a wild, is a wild, wild, uh, thing. It has a lot of wild premises. I only gave like two examples, but there was a reason I wanted to talk about that because it wasn't just that. I mean, I've seen some fucking crazy premises, but I just don't remember them off the top of my head right now. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about porn as a topic. Where else could you listen to this type of unfiltered, honest, raw talk? <laughs> raw podcasting. All right. Uh, next topic. The Last of Us 2 recently came out and has gotten a lot of backlash. So in the first try, because I've actually, you know, tried recording this ep- this podcast episode earlier. And like I said, I had a fucking mental, I had like about three mental breakdowns. Um, there was actually, you know, I actually called my friend Dion to talk about his experience playing The Last of Us 2 because he has played it. And I just wanted to talk to him because I can't really give my full opinions on The Last of Us since I haven't really seen it. And he has, so 
But, you know, I've actually, you know, gone out of my way to spoil the game for myself because I just wanted to learn all about it and why it was so divisive. And now I've, I have, and I will talk about it. So this is spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played The Last of Us 2 yet or, or cares about spoilers. I'm about to spoil the shit out of the game because, you know, the way I see it, I think, you know, I'm a film fan and TV fan more than I am a video game fan. You know, I enjoy this. I really love the story in The Last of Us 1 and, you know, in The Last of Us 2, right, is a, a story-driven game. So I would want to play it, but then I would be pestered by all those, by all that gameplay. Ugh, disgusting gameplay. No, I'm joking. But there is something about what, like, solving puzzles and shit where I would just be mad. Like, what the fuck? Just, just give me the story already, right? Like, I will probably watch one of those YouTube, like, all cutscene cuts of a video game. Especially for this one. I, I haven't. I might do that, you know, just to get the full story of The Last of Us 2. But, you know, again, spoilers ahead. I'm about to get into spoilers pretty heavily. So isn't it crazy how divisive this game has been? And look, I feel like we're just in a divisive time in general. But I feel like this game specifically really did something where like fans, this game, you either love it or hate it. And it's just like, I would say I fall into the love it side more than I fall into the hate it side. Just because I feel like I understand where the fucking developers and the director you know, Neil, I forgot his last name, you know, Neil, I'll call him by his first name, it was kind of disrespectful, but whatever, Neil, you know, I understand what Neil was going for, he wanted to do a game of perspective and consequence, that's what he really wanted to do, and that's why, again, spoiler alert, this is like the third time I'm warning you, Joel gets killed in the first like two hours of the game, in the most gruesome way possible, and in, the, in a lot of people's eyes, in the most, you know, unsatisfying way possible, Here's what I got to say about Joel's death. And I think that's the thing that everybody seems to hate. And that's where a lot of the hate comes from. Here's what I got to say about that. I feel like with Joel, you know, I I, I didn't even think Joel was going to be alive at all for The Last of Us 2. I expected this game to start with Joel being dead. Just because I didn't feel like, I felt like Joel's story was over in the first one. And I felt like it only makes sense. This is going to be Ellie's story, right? It's The Last of Us 2. It's a continuation. I would think that's where the game would go. So I wasn't even, you know, and a lot of people seem to agree that, yeah, that's pretty obvious he was going to die. But I guess people just didn't like the way he died. But the way what I got to say to that is, you know, if you know, if you and the audience, if the people making a game and the audience knows, yeah, Joe's probably going to die in this one. It's not going to be a surprise, right? What do you think the developers and the directors thinking and the writers like, hmm, Okay, so they know, and we know that he's going to die. What can we do to spice this up? To make it actually feel, you know, like a death. Like a real death that people care about. Well, let's just fucking kill him in the first two hours in the most gruesome way possible. Right? In the most unexpected time possible in a video game. Because it's not like the very beginning. It's like two hours go by before that actually happens to him. So I'm like, in that way, you got to understand why they did it the way they did. Right? Like, you got to understand that. Now... What I think the developers did not anticipate or didn't really understand or just, you know, misjudge is how, how much people love Joel. Joel is one of the most beloved video game characters of any game in a long time, right? So, you know, the way they decide to kill Joel, you know, as shocking as it is, which it is shocking, I feel like you gotta keep in mind that people love Joel just way too much 
for them to accept anything after that. And that's exactly what happened with the video game. Because, you know, this new character, Avi, that we get to play for a little bit in the beginning, kills Joel. And then throughout the game, they make you play as Avi to try to understand her position, right? And, like, to put you in another perspective of the story, right? That's why they did that. But you got to understand, you make someone, if you, like... You gotta understand why people hate this game because they make you play as a person who killed their favorite character in possibly any video game. That's not a like a, 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 a easy pill to swallow. That's a very tough pill, sort of, tough pill to swallow. So you know the fact that people weren't even really trying to see things from Abby's perspective. You know, that's what the video game creators wanted you to do, but you can't really fault them for not doing that because you killed their favorite fucking video game character in what they deem to be a very unsatisfying way. Now, I think, I actually thought it makes sense. I think I understand why they did it that way, and I think it gave, it made the storytelling a little bit more unpredictable and, and, and interesting, honestly, because now you can go back, you know, you can have flashbacks as to what happened with, uh, you know, with Joel and Ellie before he died, you know, if they resolved their issues. Like, you can you can do storytelling in a very interesting way by killing one of the most beloved characters very early on and then retroactively filling in the gaps. I think that's a very interesting way to, to tell a story. But again, I think the developers of this game completely missed the fact that people love Joel. You know what I mean? They, they, they love him so much that... They're not going to want to do it the way they did it. It's almost like the, the developers of this game, the creators of this game, kind of were separated from Joel in a way that allowed them to tell this kind of story where they will very, you know, bleakly kill the most beloved character in this video game and then try to get you to sympathize with the person who did it, right? It seems to me that the creators of The, of the Last of Us 2 kind of were separated from everything, and that's what they were. They wanted to tell the story, but they kind of didn't see how connected gamers felt to Joel. And I think that's a major issue. Now, let's not kid ourselves. A lot of the criticism, not every, not everybody, but a good, let's say, fuck it, a small portion of the critics of this game is also people who are just bigoted. You know what I mean? There's people who don't want to see, or maybe not bigoted, they're like tired with the SJW agenda. They're like, they don't want to see video games pushing this agenda. It was like everybody's fucking pushing this fucking forced lesbian characters and transgender and this and that. Like what in diversity this, diversity that? I don't care about that, man. Just tell a good story, right? I bet you a lot of people are mad about that, and I bet you that's a lot of the criticisms that are coming from it. But, you know, you can kind of disregard those. I don't think that's a majority by by at, at all. I don't think that's a majority at all. But there's definitely those people. And I mean, yeah, I guess. And again, I haven't played the game. But um, that's what it seems to be the biggest point of contention with this video game. And something that it's also interesting because I guess, you know, when, when reviews first came out, they probably were told they can't say any specific plot points. AKA probably fucking Joel's death or something like that, right? But it's just interesting because, you know, a lot of the reviews for The Last of Us 2 were like perfect score, perfect score, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, right? 96, a Metacritic, like all that shit. And probably a lot of fans were getting really suspicious of that and were already guarded, like, 
Let's really see if this is a 10. And when they realized this game was not a 10, they grabbed on by that possibility and like went full throttle with it and went to the other extreme. It was like, this game fucking sucks. Fuck reviewers. Fuck the establishment. This game is ass. It's not a 10 out of 10. They lied to us, right? I feel like that's also a pretty, possibly pretty common sentiment when it comes to this game. So, I mean, and again, this isn't a review of the game. Uh, if I would have played it, I would put it under empty reviews, but this is empty rants because, you know, I've gone out of my way to spoil the game for myself and really understand why people are hating it as much as they are, and I understand why they are, um, but, yeah, oh, another thing, they're saying that the writing on this is similar to, they're comparing, the reason why I really wanted to know what the fuck is wrong with this game and why I spoiled it for myself, because a lot of people were comparing this to Game of Thrones Season 8, and I was like, whoa, that's like the worst insult to any franchise to could give, right? It was like, this felt like Game of Thrones Season 8. It was like, holy shit, is that bad? That's how bad that season was. But regardless, right? That's how they're making it seem. So now I'm just thinking, you know, when I when I saw that, I'm like, all right, let me see. Is that true? And then now I've talked to my friend Dion who's played the game and I've seen other people say it. It's like, no, man, the writing is not as bad as Game of Thrones Season 8. In Game of Thrones Season 8, everything felt rushed and, you know, it not thought not thought out full enough. You know, he just kind of completely dismissed the idea that they could even be comparable. And I kind of agree with that because I'm like, there's no way. I mean, this is like a 25-hour game and a lot of people's gripes have to do with the first two hours. It can't be as bad as Game of Thrones Season 8, right? So I think that's a little bit of a hyperbole, but... Yeah, that's my uh, that's those are my thoughts on all the backlash that The Last of Us Two has received. It's kind of crazy how, yeah, how divisive this game is. But I understand it too because the fucking creators of this game said, "Fuck it, let's go for a hail mary." And this is what happens when you go for a hail mary: you either fucking land on the touchdown or you fucking miss the final pass, and people hate you forever. That's exactly what happened with The Last of Us Two. Uh, but yeah, that's that. I also want to talk about uh, all the Me Too shit that's going on. It's basically Me Too Part 2. Because, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it's almost like the Me Too movement kind of regained strength after this fucking coronavirus, uh, you know, lockdown. Like, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, everybody's getting fucking, you know, accused of every in every single place. You know what I mean? Like, you know, from comedy to streamers to fucking you know, actors, it's wild, to musicians, like, every single thing is crazy, and I got four people highlighted in my notes that, uh, that really made me want to talk about this Me Too movement, kind of picking up steam again, you know, and I'll talk about, touch on them individually, Chris D'Elia, he said he's been, he's been accused of, like, flirting and or trying to get with, uh, underage girls, you know, uh, he's a comedian, he's probably the He's one of the most popular L.A. comedians right now, so this was a big deal. This wrecked the L.A. community. Uh, it was interesting, you know, to see what the fuck is going on with that, uh, how all the comedians over there are dealing with it, and, you know, I'm just interested to see what Delia has to say because it seems really damning. Like, at first, people were just like, let's just wait and see, but now people are just like, yeah, it seems really damning. Like, people are just kind of, you know, they're just kind of accepting the fact that Delia did something that was kind of creepy. As opposed to before, where it was kind of like, oh, well, let's find more information. Now, it's almost like they're pretty much convicted on, not, not you know, li not literally, but, like, the people are kind of, like, just accepting this. Yeah, yeah, I probably did some weird shit. So, now, a lot of people are distancing themselves from him. 
um, another person that was really surprising. Uh, surprising to me because women like them. Uh, Ansel Elgort also got accused of rape. The big one. Uh, that one, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. I haven't had it. I haven't heard any updates on that. Just be, besides, has been accused of raping a couple of women. That's fucking wild, you know. You know, and um, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. Justin Bieber, one of the biggest pop artists of all time, gets accused of like a Me Too thing. I was I found that super interesting because it's not like, you know, you can see it. You can see this both ways. You can see it. Um, this is complete bullshit because somebody as big as Justin Bieber would not put themselves in this in that position, right? But then you can see it as this might be real because Justin Bieber is one of the biggest pop artists of all time, and he's probably really protected, and he's a really big presence. So if you come out against him, you know it's gonna be dangerous for you. You're gonna have to be ready because you know he's gonna use all his might, and he might a lot of and a lot of might he has. To prevent that anything bad happens to him. And that's kind of what's happened. Like, um, apparently this girl accused him of some sexual, you know, uh, harassment. You know. And then, um, Justin Bieber, like, posted some receipts kind of proving that he wasn't at the places that she was claiming he was. At the times that she was claiming that those things were happening at, uh, at that time. Fuck, I can't talk. Uh, I should have drink some water. I'm a little bit hydrated. Nah, eh, fuck it. We'll get through this. Uh, I'm feeling, you know, I'm not feeling as crazy. I'm not about to have another breakdown as I did at the first, the first attempt to this episode. Um, so that is, so that's been happening with Justin Bieber and then Cole Sprouse also. I don't know if it was rape. I don't know what the fuck. Hey, listen, a lot of people are getting accused right now of these Me Too shit. And look, it's good. You know, the Me Too movement is good, obviously, but there's something about it where it's like it feels like a snowball rolling. And in my and the thing about that is that I feel like in those cases, whenever there's whenever anything gains a lot of momentum, there's bound to be some bystanders that get fucking crossfire. You know, they get into the crossfire or just get pulled into this fucking situation. Like for example, the, the when the when the protesting happened, right, because of the George Floyd uh, uh, killing, right, a lot of it was a lot of peaceful protests, and then it turned into to fucking riots in a couple of places and then it spread because the momentum of it led to everybody was like you know what fuck it let's all start fucking robbing and looting and doing other shit right it calmed down but that momentum was the reason why it got as bad as it did right i feel like the same thing is happening with the me too movement especially right now where it was like a second fucking second fire they lit a second fire for this shit that we thought it was over as far from over you know starts again i feel like the same thing is happening with the with this me too movement now we're like I'm not going to say there's going to be some people, there might be some people that are actually kind of innocent, but because of the momentum and some people are getting like, you know, carried away into this protective movement, which is good. You know, it's probably a net positive, but I'm just saying when anything gains a lot of momentum, there's bound to be some crossfires. And I think that's what's happening with the Me Too movement or that it might happen, either happen already with the four people I mentioned or will happen eventually because, you know. It, whenever a movement gets so big, you know, there, there's going to be bad apples, um, you know. So, yeah, the Me Too movement is interesting how it's uh, developing right now. But, yeah, that's everything I want to talk about with empty rants. Those are all my empty rants. Now, let's get into some empty reviews. Um, the first thing I'm going to review is Smoke Perp's new album, Florida Jit. Uh, I actually didn't like it as much as I was hoping I was gonna do, I was gonna like it just because you know I have enjoyed I, I enjoyed all the singles like I loved all the singles like off uh, off uh what was this a song with uh with uh Lil Pump 
off my chest off my chest that was a very hype song i love this whatever with ronnie J. I love pop pop shit with ronnie J. again i mean i just enjoyed all the songs but then when i was like oh maybe this album won't be as good as when he put out that song with rick ross and he's kind of like melodic he's trying the melodic side instead of the hype like rapping like ignorant rapping type shit and i just didn't enjoy it like i couldn't even get through you know i couldn't you know, Rick Ross could have dropped the best verse of his life on that song, but I probably wasn't going to like it just because I didn't like the beginning or end because it's all smoke burp trying his melodic shit. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that melodic shit on this album. And for me, I just don't enjoy it when it comes from him. I do not like it. I didn't enjoy any of it. Now, I think the album is probably pretty cohesive, right? A lot of people are saying it's his best album since Death Star 1. And, you know, fuck it. I will get, I'll agree, I guess. I haven't listened to all the projects in between. But, yeah, it was just interesting because I was really expecting... You know, that's the thing with Trap, man. Like, Trap, I've, at least with me, I have a very specific idea what kind of Trap music I like. And if you're going to stick in that, you better make it sound fucking good. because, if, Or you better <laughs> make it sound as I want it to sound. You know, it's kind of selfish in a way. But, uh, you know, music is subjective. But it's just, yeah, if it doesn't sound... If it's a, it's, if it's even a little bit off of what I kind of enjoy... I just don't like it, and, you know, it's a roll of the dice, it's 50-50 whether I'll, how many songs I'll enjoy in a trap album, just because I feel like, just as easily I can love a song, I can also hate a song, like, the next, and that happened in this album, like, a lot of the songs I liked, and then I hated, the only non-single songs that I enjoyed in this album were first and third, and the song with, uh, Jack Harlow, that's about it, so, I mean, I didn't really enjoy Florida Jit, so, I guess that's my review of it, but, you know, since I wasn't so positive on this album, I guess I wanted to also review so an, uh, an album that I did enjoy. And it was the deluxe version of Artist 2.0 by uh, A Buggy With A Hoodie. Man, A Buggy With A Hoodie, it, it, I just checked in my ranking. And Artist 2.0, the original version, is in my top 10 albums of the year. I really fucking love that album because there's some songs that are fucking amazing. You know, the songs with the songs that he had with Young Thug, with Roddy Rich. Uh, uh, just, you know, Good Girls Gone Bad, Thug Love, you know, Cinderella Story. There's a lot of, like, that's the thing. A Boogie makes music, like, his melodic shit is the type of shit that I like. If Smokeport wants to make some melodic shit, you better make it like fucking A Boogie. Because he knows how to make some melodic shit, especially that I enjoy. Because, I mean, and that's the same thing that happened with this, um, uh, with the deluxe version. Nine new songs, and I really loved, like, seven of them. You know, I enjoyed all of them right, I loved seven of them, and I have gone back to replay, like, four of them, you know what I mean, that's how good this deluxe version is, right, so I just wanted to highlight that, because, you know, the deluxe version came out, and I saw some jokes, they're like, oh, why are you doing this to us, we've, we've been hurt enough, right, because people actually, I guess, they didn't love Artist 2.0 when it came out, like, I did see a lot of people saying, oh, this is, uh, every song in there is trash, but I don't even fucking understand how. I think it's just people on the bandwagon, people barely listening to it. You know, I hate that kind of shit, but whatever. But he dropped the deluxe version, and uh, it's really fucking good. So, just wanted to, you know, I hated Florida Jit, but, you know, I don't want to leave you guys with some fucking negativity. Let me add some positivity to the to the mix. So, yeah, uh, make sure to check out Artist 2.0 Deluxe Version. Um, and now the other review, the second empty review that I want to talk about. The second thing I want to empty review 
The second review that's empty that I would like to... I don't know how the fuck to word it. Listen, I saw it run the fucking limited series on HBO. You know what I mean? I saw it. It was written by uh, by uh, the girl who did Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, they don't really... Phoebe Walter-Bridge? I don't remember her full name. But the lady who wrote Fleabag who's won every single comedy award in the last, like, three years. She made a new show for HBO. And um, I really enjoyed it, but... I mean, I loved it. It's seven episodes. I loved all the first six. Like, fully loved them. Because I just felt like the momentum of it and, like, I was engaged. I was, you know, really engaged in the in, in, in the relationship between the main couple. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know their names. But I really loved their their chemistry. It was a really it was a really sexy and funny and thrilling show and shocking at times. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy all that shit. But then the last episode came and kind of fucked it up, man. It fucked it up. It was not good. It was not good. It was too. It ended way too prematurely. And listen, usually when I talk about endings that are premature, right? I, I, you know, I have a lot of discussions with my sister, like with movies that we watch that kind of end. And, um, uh, she was like, oh, they should have shown this or should have shown that. I'm like, you don't have to show any of that because that's just action, right? That's just what happened. What really matters is how, where the characters are standing. And if we know, if we have a clear picture, what the fuck is going to happen next? Because if we know what the fuck is going to happen next and we know the intentions of all the characters around and they've all gone through like a character arc or whatever, you know, when that happens, you don't need to specifically show what happens after this very good moment of cut to black, right? Like you don't really have to. So I, you know, I don't prescribe to the show everything. Like I enjoy a good premature ending, but I mean, for this show, it wasn't just that it ended prematurely. Is that you're like left in the middle of fucking nowhere? You have no idea how the char- one of the characters truly feels at the end towards the other. Like you truly don't know. You don't know where the fuck every anything is gonna happen. Like what's gonna happen next? You don't know that. You're just like, I mean, what the fuck is the point? Like, if because since you don't know what one of these characters feels towards the other, you're like, what the fuck was the point of the show? You know what I mean? Was that for nothing? And then you think about character arcs. There might be some character arcs if you really dig into the themes of the show and like really think about how how possibly it could have it could have played out. But it's just like, and most of all. It's just fucking unsatisfying. It's not a satisfying show whatsoever. And that's the main thing that uh, I got from from the ending. You know what I mean? It's kind of... It's fucked up that it ended that way. And also, one more um, uh, flaw of this show, one more con, I guess, that I didn't really enjoy, was just there's like a... In the last two or three episodes, there's this sudden side plot that is introduced that doesn't really have anything to do with anything, and I'll say this without spoiling what the side plot is. The creator, the Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you know, lady who created Fleabag, she's in a side plot. And that's one of the strange, it, and that side plot leads to nowhere. So that just makes me think, you just wanted to be in this show and wrote something last minute. And that's what that was. Because it, it really didn't make any sense, you know, it, for anything. It didn't really even connect thematically to the main plot. And almost didn't connect... It barely connected plot-wise to the main plot. So it didn't connect 
thematically, and it barely connected plot-wise. What the fuck was the point of that side story in the first place? So, it's just sad. It was just kind of depressing when I ended. I was, like, genuinely angry. Because I loved that show so much. And then that last fucking episode, that probably should have been, I think it probably was, like, 24 minutes or something. The same as any other episode. You could have made it a little longer. Usually, finales, even for 30-minute shows, they can go up to 45 minutes. You could have done that. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the, it ended really poorly. So, can't, I can I don't know. I can recommend it, but it's just like, you know, just know that the anime. No, actually, no, I can't. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to make an investment on your time, you don't want it to end in a fucking unsatisfying way because you're like, what the fuck? I just spent, just wasting my time on it. So, I do not recommend the show. As good as the first six episodes are, the episode seven is fucking trash. So, you know, that's just what it is. Unfortunately, that's just what it is. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be it for episode three of the EP show. That was kind of pretty good, pretty tight and concise, about 30 minutes. Usually, you know, the past two episodes have been an hour. I don't think I could have been able to go for another hour, for another 30 minutes, actually. Uh, my brain is kind of fried at the moment, but I was able to fucking power through and do this episode. But I mean, yeah, that's gonna be it for this episode. Now with the last, the the, the last but not least segment, this yes, yeah, you know, sometimes I have trouble like wording certain shit. You know, that wasn't the best way to word it, but you know what the fuck I meant. Listen, this is the last segment, the the put you on segment where I list, uh, I put on a song that I feel like is very underrated. And I mean, this song is for sure underrated because it's from an underrated artist on an underrated album that came out five years, uh, four years ago. So, uh, man, it's probably one of the most underrated songs on that album. So I feel like this is really, I'm digging deep here, guys. I'm really digging deep to put you on into something real good. And uh, it's a song by Trey Capital, who is Exhibit's son. You know, the rapper, the famous rapper, Exhibit. His son is an artist, a rapper. And um, he put out this album, I Can't Die Yet, in 2016. And this was one of my favorite songs of that album. I feel like that album was probably one of my favorites of the last decade, too. Like, you know. It's a very fucking good album, and I don't think enough people even know who Trey Capital is who have checked that out, but I did. Uh, the song was called Try to Let Him Live, and I'm going to play that now. So until next episode, until episode four next Friday, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. What do you go by, man? What is it? Trey Capital. Trey Capital, okay, yeah. You murdered that shit, dude. So did you, man. Come on, man, stop it, please. I got to live on Yeah. Yeah, let it be known that I am ready Think I slipped over the ball already Gotta be on my toes, stay steady No more excuses for what I'm doing Turned their backs, but I kept going Life could be so different, get it? Left me out, but the clock says ready No more excuses, that shit's not working Pushing the crap to a brand new limit Race through the fall, it cannot be different Soar through the clouds, I do not feel different I just really wanna live good now, is it? A shame when the rest of these lames don't listen Why don't you see why the game's so different? I deserve to be heard, I'm speaking straight right to the world they live
listen They just wanna hear track capital spitting Getting so close to his dream state wishing What it feels like when you finally get it When your whole family says you did it Stop letting garbage remain persistent Doing as much as I can for the time New music might even go for a Grammy Eastbound hit my sales to this time Man, I tried to be cool, I don't let them live Get the shyness, is out of hand On site everywhere, gotta reach brand new heights They don't want you to reach in yourself Like these niggas really thought I would fall off the map Because they would never just give me a shot That's your loss, I can die yet Coming for the summer like I ain't holding back Y'all turn me into this shit Been alone for a minute I had to get it right back Left everything just to be right here Saying what needs to be said this year You don't need anyone except yourself Shout out Kendrick, we gon' be alright Shot in the dark but the boy so bright So many kids, they depend on me Opportunity one day they'll get to see Gotta make a difference for the industry Nothing else new that you can tell me When this shit drops like I'm part of the sea Try to tell the UB all you can be Wrote these words, this is bigger than my fucking self Ten solid tracks, no features, nigga Who you know go this hard, my nigga Who you know yeah. go this hard, you know go this hard my nigga Who you know go this Never satisfied until we all free Never satisfied until we all free Damn Try to let them live, but they didn't listen Try to let them live, but they didn't listen Try to tell them that they gotta go, brother Try to let them live, they didn't listen Try to tell them, but they didn't listen Try to let them live, but they never listen Finish finito, the world with ballistic Bear the burden, drop and silence the critics Made the listeners embrace what we doing We never settle in for anything less Than we work for, all for Yeah, they really want more If nobody ever did believe in me This entire movement would be dead to me Literally, oh shit Back on top the hits again Hit or miss, yeah, they know that we the G Said it's perfect timing way before we grind Yeah, we shining just to reach this moment This achievement, now they know that they believe us If they didn't see, but now they see Cause we ain't preaching, preaching to the Congregation, we just out here trying to run the nation. Shout out easy, shout out to the plugs though. Understood just what it is, what it could be, and what it really is though. This could be a free throw. Shaq posted up, look at we are heroes. We can never be zero. Stacking dollars, comma, comma, till we reach a new hiatus. One day they will thank us.